Welcome to Accounting High. Open up your mind. This hybrid is one of a kind. We represent the Accounting High. You know what I'm saying? It's infinite cynic for the deuce deuce. Infinite cynic. Hey, Pay attention as these phrases break conventions. May I have your attention, please? I repeat, may I have your attention, please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. Welcome to Accounting High. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here we're on a mission to set our own traditions. Here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Scott Scarano and Twyla Verhelst. We're going to have a problem here. Class is in session. I'm digging that intro. You like it? Especially when it starts with, we're going to have a problem here. What's the problem? (laughs) What is the problem? Yeah, I know. I think it's more of a... Yeah, well, I don't know if... I'm I'm always the problem in most of these episodes, but you can see that as a problem or we can solve that problem, right? And and spin it to a positive. I don't think you're the problem, but we'll find a problem in order to be able to talk about something today. We're talking, we're solving problems. That's what we're doing. That's right. We're we're identifying and solving problems. So we're going to have a problem here. We're going to identify it and we're going to solve it. And this is the problem in business. This is the problem in mindsets. This is the problem in in life too. Mm -hmm. We've got, so you got a book report for us. You know, we're in high school here. This is, this is where the book report theme comes in. We're doing a book report today on infinite game by Simon Sinek. Shout out to Simon. We got the S squared going on. Um, he's my he's my kin. He's my brother from another mother, from another life. I love this guy. I was introduced to Simon Sinek through a client years ago. They sent me his TED talk on finding your why. That was very impactful for me. It's probably the world's simplest idea. I call it the golden circle. Why? how, what. This little idea explains why some organizations and some leaders are able to inspire where others aren't. Very, very few people or organizations know why they do what they do. And by why, I don't mean to make a profit. That's a result. It's always a result. By why, I mean what's your purpose? What's your cause? What's your belief? Why does your organization exist? That spoke to me. And I was set on that journey to identify, find my why. Later on, I was I saw him, a new book of his came out and uh, Leaders Eat Last. Ate that up. I ate it first, when, right when it came out. <laughs> it was dope. And one of the most impactful books that he came out with is this infinite game. It was a couple of years ago, I guess, and I had forgotten about it. And you brought it up to say that's a book we should do. And I immediately jumped on it. So tell me why you thought it was a book we should do. You know what? I have a similar passion and, and admiration for Simon Sinek's work. 
And I had not read this book. And so that's why I put it on the list because ah. I was like, okay, this is the way that I can get through this book. This will hold me accountable. So after you and I committed to doing this book, I bought it, took it on a plane and got through the first inch, the intro in the first chapter. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be ready this year even to go through this book because I was so caught up in the initial storytelling that he had at the beginning about what an infinite game is and what an infinite leader actually looks like that I start, started writing notes and notes. I think I told you about this. I started writing notes and notes on the plane thinking I will never get through this book at this pace, but I couldn't help myself with some of the things that he said right at the beginning of the book. Yeah, it's impactful. So I think that it speaks to you in a lot of ways because that's the way you approach business and life with, a, with an infinite mindset. There's a lot of what he was saying and really framing the infinite game that I have believed in and lived by, but never heard phrased the way he phrased it. There is a difference between thinking about the long term and thinking about leaving something better than you found it or almost evolving something to the point that it's going to carry on longer than the amount of time that you are involved with it was really impactful for me versus thinking of it as we've got this this short-term goal that we're trying to achieve and then once we achieve it, we win or we lose and we're we're done. And so that's what really got me kind of started to go deep and think about this was his definition of an infinite game versus a finite game, which is much more like a sport. He uses lots of sports analogies and sports mm -hmm. stories versus something that carries on and almost has this legacy beyond what the time that you're involved with it. I think the greatest thing about him as a writer, it's similar to Malcolm Gladwell and people like Adam Grant and Brene Brown. They're great storytellers. So they're conveying ideas that are big ideas. And they do it through stories that we are familiar with in ways, but bringing them into context of the ideas that they're trying to drive. I think all great authors can do that effortlessly, where they open up a chapter and they engage you with the story and then use that story as a metaphor or as, as, a, as a link to the idea that they're trying to bring across. And he does this effortlessly. And that's another book that we may end up doing is Effortless by Greg McCown. <laughs> He's another one too. All these are amazing. These, this, this is why I love doing this because I get to go back and revisit a um, book that was impactful for me already. And you know how we said on the Atomic Habits, read the best books twice, right? I also want to point out too that so far the books that we've read, it's almost like you had already understood them Atomic Habits was suggested to you because you were living it in a lot of ways. This book too, you were drawn to it because you already agreed to it and you already believed it before you read it. So it was just cementing certain ideas that you had floating in your head anyway or ways of life. You didn't get stuck on the 10th page because it was boring. You got stuck because you were inspired. And mm -hmm. it was it triggers so many ideas. And this happens to me too when I'm reading a new book. If it speaks to me. It's, it's almost like, like I felt like I, I could have written something like this. Like it, it inspires me to think that eventually I'll write a book. So maybe we end this like your VPD where you, you ended with a song. <laughs> we end all these books with we do a book report on one of our books. Wow. I like that. Since you're, you've got the song game figured out now, you're ahead of me 
you're ahead of me by in strides there. Well, I'll park my singing and my won't attempt rapping. We'll go back to writing books, which is more probably in my domain. I well, like it. I like it. it. Again, to bridge the atomic habits, that's why I was able to do the song thing was the habit that I started before we did our atomic habits uh, book report the beginning of the year. You know, I told you I wanted to do a rap and write it, release it, perform it before the end of the year. Well, since uh, this recording, I have performed it and I, I did it for the first rap. It was amazing. It was dope. Yeah. And <laughs> that was at the first Fresh Pack meetup. So shout out to all of our friends at Fresh Pack. <laughs> and I've been writing a line a day all year. I'm pretty deep in my habit journal here and I haven't given it up since we started. Since we started doing this is when I started the habit journal. You're keeping up with it. I'm also taking songs that have been impactful in my life and revisiting those to make parodies and link the ideas from these books. Now, each book that we choose, I'm probably going to end up writing a rap that makes sense for that book. So it's basically going to be the spark notes or the cliff notes of that book in a rap form. So I'm taking Eminem's first album, first track, is Infinite. Mm-hmm. I want to allude to it. We'll play it in the outro. Give, oh. us a, give us a teaser. Pay attention as these phrases break conventions. Contemplate this infinite game to displace intentions. Stalemates, recessions, we question this profession space. Concentrate, use discretion while I captivate and engage. Don't discriminate. Nice. So, nice teaser. It's just a dot, dot, dot now. Let's let's yeah. get into it. So why don't you start us off? Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's um, let's actually define just so that anyone who hasn't read this book, let's just actually take a moment and define how Cynic talks about the infinite game. And so the notes that I wrote, and I'm curious to hear what your interpretation was, uh, Scott, but I wrote down that sport is the obvious finite game where there's rules, there's players, it's a set period of time. You know what it takes to win or to lose that game versus business is more of an infinite game where there's no t- fixed time frame. There's no agreed upon way of even keeping score. There's no possibility of winning that you can actually change a goal inside of that infinite game and that it can go on for as long as possible. There's no set time frame inside of there. And so it, it's this way of thinking as a leader or a business owner or a firm owner of not setting out to win over a certain period of time and rather to be on this journey that is longer with no time frame, no keeping score, no set rules, even though you might have competitors inside of that infinite game, there's no set rules. And that the profit and losses of a business are not necessarily what defines the win-loss of that infinite game? I always think, thinking beyond the bottom line, thinking beyond quarterly objectives, quarterly goals. And one thing you said was that business is infinite, but it's not for some leaders. Some leaders don't think in an infinite mindset. So the difference between a short-term and a long-term view, and this long-term view is a forever view. It's beyond your lifetime. It's what kind of impact can I have on the world? And I just did an interview with David Barrett 
of Expensify, they definitely have an infinite mindset. It's very clear that that's how they run their business. And they have done some very big things. I think the accounting world probably knows they gave away a Tesla. They're taking everybody to Italy next year. They're just doing some crazy things. They just keep winning is what I said in an episode. And I didn't even think of it in, in terms of finite or infinite, but they're winning on the terms that they define and they are trying to save the world. It's not just an expense app is what he says. They're trying to save the world. And that's what Simon Sinek talks about all the time. So as much criticism as David Barrett gets, I look at him as an inspiration for this. The only way you can save the world is actually by building uh, an organization which is fundamentally positive and fun and successful. Like we, our internal motto is live rich, have fun, save the world. And this is not in sequence. It's not like someday after enough success, you can start trying to save the world. It's trying to say like, no, every day you should be thinking about all three of these. Some infinite I, leaders. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Infinite leaders that you got to speak with. Right. And I think one of the things that Cynic does a good job of defining, which is where I got the most hung up was these leaders who are infinite leaders are innovative and creative and they're building products and services that people want rather than need. And as I thought about the accounting profession and where we've really kind of come from as accountants and bookkeepers and tax professionals, we are a service generally that people need rather than want. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like in a world where people want the services rather than need the services? And I even think about this with respect to technology to pull it back to the role that I do every day versus the role that I'm very familiar with, which is the firm owner accountant role. But it's similar in that there's certain tech now that we're almost forced to use in order to, to operate in the world. It's no different than a cell phone, right? You're forced to use a cell phone or have a credit card, or some of these things that you just need in the modern world, do you need it or do you want it? And what's the difference between needing it and wanting it? And so same with technology. If we have technology or a partner program that we're building that people need to have versus they want to have, it's a very different way of working and a very different journey that you're taking people on versus filing a tax return, getting technology in front of somebody, putting the financial statements out to them like you promised that you would. It's just this different way of thinking. And that's where I got the most stuck. In fact, I pulled some of that content into a recent conversation that I had at AcuityCon where I was really fortunate to be able to go and talk to those folks at Acuity. And I talked about what does it look like if your clients want you rather than need you. I love that. So when you're saying... We all need a cell phone, right? I immediately think, yeah, but I want an iPhone. Right, right. Apple, he brings up a lot. Simon does. Sinek does a very good job of linking Apple to the infinite mindset. So when you think of anything that Apple does as a company, it's almost always with the infinite game in mind. And so that's a thread throughout the book. And he definitely contrasts Microsoft and Apple and that's something that I've always felt very passionately about because it's very, very clear in the way that these companies are run that they're different. And Apple's saying is think differently, right? 
if you're thinking differently, you're thinking in, in, in ways that traditionally speaking, businesses don't think. The general business mindset is typically the same across the board, whether you're running an accounting firm or anywhere else. And, and that's protecting your bottom line, protecting your interests. And a lot of it is based on short-term goals that you're go, going to reach. And that's where we're going to talk about ethical fading and different instances come in. When he talked about Wells Fargo a lot with the ethical fading, mm-hmm. he brings up a lot of examples of companies that tend to lose sight of the bigger picture for these short-term gains and for stock prices, for short-term wins, profitability, things like that. And other companies have made a lot of sacrifices or changed their entire business model based on their values. And it always works out for them in the long run because they all have that shared vision. And I've said this before is we have a lot of alignment with our tech partners based on their leadership, not necessarily their products. The products model the leadership, but the leadership, the way that Simon Sinek defines it is their way of looking at things is to better their vision, to move their vision forward. And every decision they make follows that suit. It follows their why. So it goes back to finding your why and living that way. And if you do that in the mindset of your business, you're going to be profitable in the end. You're going to succeed and you're only playing against yourself. You're only trying to best yourself in those situations and, and follow, and you're not influenced by the decisions of others and by the, like Apple was never influenced by other companies when they made their products. And Microsoft, on the other hand, would make products trying to beat Apple. That was their whole goal is we're going to be better than Apple. And when they came out with their MP3 player, it, it probably, in the book he says, it probably was the better one of the two. It didn't succeed. Nobody remembers Microsoft's. Microsoft tried to come out with a phone to beat the iPhone. Nobody uses a Windows phone <laughs> at all. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> and it, this is not bash Microsoft, but you know, there, there's a difference between trying to beat somebody else and looking at everybody as a competitor, that competitive competitor mindset versus you can learn from everybody. And that's something that we've talked about in the accounting world is everybody's a friend. And if you look to everybody, not as competition, but as we all have something to offer, all have something to learn. That's what I've been trying to do with this podcast. Like try to see everybody as a friend and not as an enemy or as a competition because we all win in that infinite game. There's plenty of clients to go around, plenty of things to learn from somebody else. So it's an open mindset, a growth mindset, an infinite mindset. Everyone in the professions, a friend, I want to come back to that, but I'm going <laughs> to actually, because I, I want to get into the, then those five keys to play in the infinite game, which starts with the just cause, which got me thinking about what you're talking about with everyone being friends. But I wanted to share something, and I don't mean to take this into a spot of being about FreshBooks, but I know that sometimes people really like it when I kind of pull back the curtain at FreshBooks. For sure. And so I'm going to treat this, is this a fresh as book one report. of those times. <laughs> so, I know, but that's not, it's not what it's intended to, to do, because as I said, I, when I was reading through that, that first part of him framing the infinite game and what it takes to be an infinite leader, I really was thinking about how accounting firms and accounting work has been what we need rather than what we want as a society needs rather than wants and how much work we can still do and how much we can still bring value to people so that it is a want rather than a need. But just to share something with you about FreshBooks to peel back or pull back the curtain a bit. And for those who are curious, 
I really see this as FreshBooks coming into the accounting space. There's other players in the accounting space. We are not here to take down the competitors. That's never been the goal. If, if that's the goal, I will say right now, we won't succeed at that goal. <laughs> that's not our goal. Our goal is to give an alternative that then is it perhaps it's a different experience, perhaps it's a different way of using the platform, perhaps it's something that your client likes using, whatever one of those boxes or many of those boxes that ticks off, it has to be that somebody wants to use it versus needs to use it. They don't need to use it. They have other platforms. We're not the first accounting platform to enter the accounting space. We are one of others who are already in this space. So it really has to be led with what will people want versus what will people need from the accounting perspective, not from the business owner perspective. And so it's something that my team and I are thinking about all the time is that we're on this journey to build a partner program and then a product that people want to explore using versus they're forced to because there's no other alternative. That's not our scenario. So it's a really different way of thinking about it. And when we talk about winning, it's not taking down everyone else. I think that's why I got so paused in that part of the book, that that's kind of peeling back some of the curtain with FreshBooks that I'll have people even ask me, how do you think you're going to take down the big green and the big other shade of blue? And it's like, that's not what we're here to do. We have a different goal or a different journey that we're trying to bring light to that is not taking down our competitors. It's a different vision. You did it perfectly there like you guys are, just want to be a player in the game not the winner you're not looking to and this is what always comes up when i bring up fresh books is is people with that finite mindset say but they're too late it's too there there's the market is already established quick books into it has the market zero has the other part of the market you guys are coming in as players in here not to take them down and that was I think that was support part of the problem with the zero V QuickBooks is they look to each other as the competitor to beat competing and beating. That's dope too. <laughs> Might have to work that into the rap. But there's a there's a big difference in that mindset of I'm going after them and then you cloud your judgment too in the decisions that you make because you're making them based on somebody else's decisions and that's not the shared vision and goal that you have as a company. And I've seen this inside and out through all the actions. Actions speak a lot louder than words too. And the actions that FreshBooks has taken to enter the market has always been the long game. That's the mindset I've gotten from you from your first episode on the show was we're here and we're not going anywhere. You know, it's funny because inside of my team, they get tired of hearing this, which is the phrase, we're just getting started. And I was sitting back thinking the other day, I don't know that I'm ever going to stop saying that. You shouldn't. Because Dave Barrett said it. Did he? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and they are a public company. He says, I literally view the company and run it because that's a pre-revenue startup. We haven't even started, guys. Everything we've built so far was basically a prototype. We haven't even launched yet, in my mind. It's just that our prototype is so valuable. It just happens to support $100 million. Yeah. So what my team says, and now they will say, it rolls off their tongues too, because they've been hearing it for so long, is, and we're just getting started. Like we're, we're sharing our enthusiasm and we're just getting started. 
So I don't I don't want to turn this into a fresh books uh, <laughs> fresh books conversation. Perfect, but though. I wanted it's, to just peel back yeah. pull back the curtain in this case because I know that often people are really curious. And I like to be able to share what's behind the curtain that we're, you know, kind of what we're up to here that that people want to learn more about. But let's talk about the five keys to playing the infinite game as For defined sure. by Cynic, because I think that that helps to build the framework of even what I want to circle back on with you talking about people being friends. So let's just list them out and then talk about each if that works for you. Mm -hmm. The first one being to advance a just cause. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk about that one. The second being build a trusting team. The third key being study your worthy rivals. Fourth one, prepare for existential flexibility. And five, demonstrate the courage to lead. Those are Cynic's five keys to playing the infinite game. I love that. And the graphic that he uses, mm -hmm. it's cyclical. This is a circle. It's not like these are in order where you complete one and you're done with it and you move on to the next one. This is evolving and revolving in a circle and you're always going to come back to these things and always need to revisit them. And that's, that's kind of the case with habits. That's why people always go back and read Atomic Habits because you're always getting that new viewpoint of it based on your new perspective in life and based on your evolution as a human and as evolution as a business, you're never done getting started. You're always back to that starting point after you've completed another cycle. Like it's always evolving and growing and revisiting just cause, trusting teams, worthy rival, existential flexibility, courage to lead, and infinite loop. Infinite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. New rap album came out by the two of the Migos. I'd, I always bring rap into this somehow. <laughs> and their title of the album is Only Built for Infinity Links. Ooh. And that's the difference between, so there was a there was a Wu-Tang album that came out in the past, Only Built for Cuban Links. And that's a different type of chain. An infinity link. See, that's the strongest link in the world. By far stronger than the Cuban. And that's a different type of chain. And... The point of them calling it infinity links, you know, I'm about to get another chain too eventually. <laughs> so I might get an infinity link for as a nod to this and as a nod to that. Like there's that infinity loop never ends. And that's infinite in game. Infinity. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about a just cause because I think this was something that was really interesting because I won't lie that as soon as I was reading it, part of being an infinite leader is to advance a just cause, I quickly defaulted to, well, that's my why. <laughs> that's <laughs> the why that I built in his other book <laughs> from the TED Talk. But he quickly says, it's not your why, that it's far bigger than what one person can do. And some of the things that really stuck out for me when he was defining a why is that it's inspirational, it's forward-looking, so it's something to better the future. It's inclusive. It's bold, but not a moonshot. It's idealistic, but then represents the benefit of your business that your business aims to provide. So oh, it's also resilient. That was the other thing that it that it does have resiliency. So that was how he sort of framed the just cause or what I heard from it. And as I've already said, when I read this, I was thinking about my team and, and the work that I get to do with my team, but also about our profession at large and how 
this is where it loops into you talking about friends that are willing to share. I think the people that you're talking about are the people that I think of as this really impactful community of accounting professionals that's not perfectly defined who's a member and who isn't. But those people who are part of the community that I'm in and that you're also in are the people who have a very similar just cause for not only their firm, but for the profession at large. And I think of this idea of like, what what are we doing inside the profession that's going to leave the profession better than when we started the profession? That I think those are the people that you identified earlier as friends who are willing to share. I think there's a whole world of people who are not part of that community because they don't have the same sort of mindset. But the people that you and I are attracted to and are drawn to are the ones that we're most in alignment that have this unspoken just cause for the profession at large that we're actually all working toward in a way that we didn't even really realize, or at least I didn't. <laughs> Maybe I was the only one who was just along for the ride, but I didn't realize that we were had that sort of alignment. I thought of it more as tactical, like, oh, we like using tech or, oh, we want to do some advisory or, oh, we want to expand our client experience or, or be, be some sort of disruption, but not really, I wasn't really thinking about it as a just cause. Yeah. Well, and for the people that are on the other side of that, we're here with open arms too, when they're ready to change their mind. Like it's taken me a long time in my life to get to this side of it and to think with an infinite mindset, because I did have a finite mindset when it came to running my business. I was surrounded by people that had a finite mindset. So I had a very closed mind and I got my head out of my own at some point and I figured it out and it clicked. And now the conversations I have, you can tell when you're talking to somebody based on the questions they ask and the things that they talk about, whether they have that mindset or not. And you're not going to be able to change everybody's mind. But for the people that already are on that other side, those conversations tend to go longer. They tend to be more enriching. They tend to be more about the profession at large and not just themselves. And they tend to be about making an impact, not just making a dollar. And that's why we all kind of gravitate toward each other because we all think differently, but the same, right? We're all thinking differently at the same time. And there's no barriers that we put up against each other because, well, I'm not going to tell them that because then they're going to know my secrets. They're going to know how I do things. Like transparency is, and it's wide open with companies like Expensify. They're, they're willing to share everything because they just do it very differently. And they're doing it to better themselves. And they're doing it to to grow themselves. I, I think that there's some companies that have their formulaic way of doing things and they can't share with anybody and they, they hide it and they guard it. And then there's people like Jason Stats with Realize. That is, that's an infinite way of thinking, what he does there. And that's, that's a way of share everything. Everything's transparent because we all have something to learn. And that's a product of social networks. That's a product of these types of thinkers that are influencing the community and the profession at large. So we can, we can all learn from that. And as we get there, we'll welcome you guys with open arms. All right. The next one, this is, this is probably my second favorite. To be honest, this is probably almost in order, but <laughs> build a trusting team. And Oh, you are I, doing that. Shout out to Alex. She's on <laughs> I, team. Uh, I'm so fortunate that I've got a really great team. And it's something that I like that I really like that he brought this into that circle that you showed, that infinite circle, that this is the next step to to being an infinite leader, leader is to and to be in the infinite game is to have a trusting team. 
And we've all probably been part of or overseen a team that didn't feel trusting. You have people who don't seem like they're in alignment often. There's something about being able to dispute something and still be able to come back to, we're still a team versus dispute something. And now people go off different directions and they do their own things. And I really did like the example that you mentioned earlier with Wells Fargo, how this can go really, really, really poorly when you have people who are doing things that are unethical, right? They're doing things that aren't for the betterment of their company at large. They're playing that short game or that finite game. That's a team that is acting from a different place for a whole bunch of different reasons. It's ethical fading. Ethical fading. Creating too much pressure in the culture and demand incentives. Another one is self-deception, but that's, that's definitely an interesting concept to me because I've, in the past... I've been predisposed to certain ethical fadings in my life. I'm not really a rule follower, but there's there are certain things I've done in the past that I'm not too proud of, not too happy about, and they were unethical, and usually it was for that short-term gain. I think as you change your mindset on this and as you see think, and see that bigger picture, you look beyond yourself, and you look beyond that personal gain, and your purpose is a lot larger than what you can gain out of something. And then all of a sudden, those ethical slips tend to just not happen naturally. So I just did want to bring up ethical fading. Yeah. Well, and I think the the thing that's important as a takeaway to the profession, in my opinion, is I, I often say that leadership is the second hardest role you're going to have in your life if you are a parent. I think the first hardest is a parent because But that's a leader so too. Much- That is a leader of sorts, but it's a different type of leader. I think that's the hardest for just a whole host of reasons. Absolutely. But then the second is, God, it's challenging. The second, though, is leadership to me. I think that leadership is harder than being a spouse, being a daughter, being a friend. That's my, that's kind of something that I've formulated that I think it's the second hardest. And I think that because you are trying to work towards this just cause Dollars at some point play into it just inevitably because we all have to be able to pay our people, right? That you want to, you can't, nobody's working for free. Everyone is working for a living. So you have to have some sort of results that allow you to pay your people, but you don't want it to be focused on profits. You don't want to focus every day on your bottom line. Like you said, you want to focus on the people and know that when you invest in the people, the profit will come, but that takes time to do that. You're kind of pre-investing in the people with the profits to follow. These people that you're you're leading and that are on your teams, they're looking to you for trust, for guidance, for problem solving, for commitment. There's all these things that they look to you for that means that it's a really difficult seat to hold. It's extremely rewarding, but it's it's challenging to hold and balance all those things. But the one thing is that they are looking to you through a lens of, I want to trust you. And when I trust you, I will in turn act for the good and do work for the good of this company, which then is that just cause that ideally you've got everyone on that team in alignment with. I just enjoyed learning Cynic's view on this and thinking about the teams that we build inside of firms because accountants usually aren't taught to be leaders. They're taught to do accounting. (laughs) And being a leader is a very different role than being an accountant. When you trust somebody, you also don't want to lose their trust. 
So you tend to act more trustworthy. Um, mm-hmm. You said, you said people. You said profits. People over profits, and something that Nicole said in her rap was, "People are the purpose." The things I can control are my work ethic and how I treat other people. People are the purpose, and I work purposefully hard to stay ethically connected to the individuals in this profession so we can all share in our progression. Right? Profit is not the purpose. Mm-hmm. People are the purpose. Shout out to Nicole's rap because she intentionally included that in there to bring it all home. It's good, though. So. It's true. It's true. All right, the next one, which Cynics talks about being motivated by worthy rivals and make a bold change, of course, when time is right. And you've already talked a little bit about things like these the people inside of this community or the profession who are in these this mode of sharing, right? And and I love it too that people share with one another and most of the times it elevates one another, right? And whether we look to one another as competitors or we look to one another as colleagues or we look to one another for inspiration, it's happening inside of this profession where people are seeking the knowledge of what other people have or the knowledge of what somebody else is doing. This is why podcasts in our profession that are things like Chad and Jason's Automation Town or, you know, Jason with Realize where they're kind of pulling back curtains, right? And they're sharing what it is that they do that is inspiring other piece, other people in the profession to model the, their workflows or some of the ways that they run their firm off of those other people. They're playing an infinite game for sure. Shout out to Chad as well. Got a lot of shout outs this episode. So a worthy rival... A worthy rival is another player in the game worthy of comparison. Worthy rivals may be players in our industry or outside our industry. They may be our sworn enemies, our sometimes collaborators or colleagues. It doesn't even matter so long as we are playing with an infinite mindset. So regardless of who they are and where we find them, the main point is that they do something or many things as well or better than us. Looking at people as friends, that's sort of like... You could look at somebody as a sworn enemy and I'm going to beat them or they inspire me and I can learn from them and they can learn from me. So he brings up somebody that he, Simon Sinek, in, and I'll reveal who it is, but the story that he tells is great because he said, I kept looking to this person and I always just felt like I had to beat them and I always felt like I had to do better than them and I always just was drawn to their book reviews and their rankings and when they came out with a new book and it and it it angered him in some ways too but they had a panel together and he revealed that and he admitted i feel inadequate when i see you and and all the things that he does better and then the other person on the other side said the exact same thing and it was different things about that about simon so this was adam grant who Shout out to Adam Grant, because we're probably going to do Think Again. And it just so happens that he brings him up in this book. There's a lot of loops in our in our selection of books here <laughs> that we'll be able to loop it all back in. Everything's interconnected in some ways in that infinite loop. Infinity, infinity loops. Links. See, that's the strongest link in the world. So, and Adam Grant said the same thing to Simon Sinek. And they, they see each other as worthy rivals, not competitors. I don't know if you want to tell the story about getting yourself into what maybe felt like <laughs> the spot where you had to explain yourself with worthy rivals. For damn sure, but the- <laughs> yeah. And so in an instance with some of our friends, and I, I had this in mind, 
I didn't quite articulate it the, the best way. And I caused a bit of a rift between two people because it's, it's almost like I, I, they thought I was pinning them against each other. So shout out to Nicole Davis and Nio Carter Gray. Like they are my good friends. And in my mind, I saw them as worthy rivals. And definitely it came out wrong as if they were competitors competing against each other. But I more saw it as they should be inspiring each other. They, worthy rival-esque. My problem historically has always been I don't allow enough context and I bring people in right in the middle of my thought process and they don't know how I got from point A to point B to point C and I'm already on Z by the time I tell them. I fleshed it out later. This is one of those things where like, let's say Blake and David, right? I never saw them as, other people have said this to me. They're like, you have a podcast and you and they're your competition. I don't see it like that. Same thing with, you know, Accounting High is going to be a community. It's going to be, it's going to be a platform. I, I said this to Jason Blummer. He inspires me. And what he's doing with Thrival is very similar to what I want this to eventually become. And he invited me to Deeper Weekend. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, okay, now, now I put up a line. You're my competition. He's 10 years ahead of me. He's, I'm, I'm not even close to where he's at. Very long game here. I see he's a worthy rival. And I see the same thing with Jason Stats, Ryan Lozanis. Like they've all been on this show and they're all friends, but I see them as doing something they inspire me and doing something I want to do eventually. So we all kind of work together and we all kind of see each other as we are friends. And we talked about this in, in Stat Snacks part two. And it, I asked him, you know, who are his, we, we brought up worthy rivals. I run an accountant community. You know, Ryan Lozanis runs his own accountant community. And we're drawing from the same group of people and potential members and all of that. Like that could be an adversarial thing, adversarial thing. It absolutely isn't. Like every time we talk, like we're learning from each other. And honestly, when we come away from those discussions, it's like, geez, we need to do this more because we're each going to make each other better along the way. And by extension, help all of the people who are engaging in those communities and, and all that. And also I got to bring up Clayton Oates. He's amazing. And his two hour episode brings up infinite game is his platform and he talks about this whereas the infinite game which i think most of the accounting pref profession we are infinite game players and so the purpose of an infinite game is actually to continue playing the game how can we bring more people into this it's not a zero-sum game it's actually a game of abundance it's a multiplier that actually occurs i don't know if people ever transition from being a finite game player to being an infinite game player or i know a different so maybe these two games just naturally exist I'm saying that I that I was playing a finite game with my with my life, and it was always about reaching an end. Now it's a marathon. Were too, you an infinite game player is, that was just trapped in a finite field? I think so. So let's keep it's going. Great let's, guy. let's get great to guy. the get to the next one. Okay, so then the next one after the worthy rivals is prepare for existential flexibility, and this one to me. I know that there's times, if people know me, they know I'm very stubborn. When I decide that I want something, I get very determined that I'm going to get something. And not in a way that I think takes down rivals or you know is competitive, because I'm actually not super competitive, unlike some of the people that you might have mentioned earlier. Mm, I'm not super Nicole. competitive. <laughs> Nicole can dance, win a dance competition with me any day. I'm not super competitive, but I do get very determined by something that I want and that it's taken me years to realize that sometimes 
I'll get so fixated on what I want that that isn't what I should be doing. And it's funny because inside of my career, I haven't been that way. I have never had an, a goal of what I'm working towards. That's why my career has been so such a Fluid. meandering course. Yep. <laughs> but when it comes to something that's a little bit shorter term, I decide that that's what I'm working on and, and I'm not going to be taken off course of that. Even like I'll almost like shelter myself from information that tells me I shouldn't do this anymore. I've gotten significantly better with age. And I've also, due to things like parenting and leadership, had to get better at at these at that skill. But it's one that I really liked how Cynic even used the example of Apple and then Apple building a Macintosh, like taking a different course and building a Macintosh when it hadn't planned to build the Macintosh the way that it had built it. And so it you have to be able to self-prescribe change in a course, see it for yourself and take a different course or self-disrupt, meaning being okay with saying, all right, you know what? I, I was going to do that and I changed it to this. In fact, as I think about this now, I'm probably the disruptor on my team <laughs> that does change courses because I can be so much more fluid now than I used to be. But it's recognizing like, well, we've got some early results or we've got some insights we didn't have before or some newfound information or a new skill set that we've developed that we should do it a different way and change course, which when you apply that to an accounting firm, that really applies to things like workflows and technologies and working with the client more so than compliance work. It's more the how you get done something done versus what you get something done or what, what it is you're getting done. I have a reference <clears throat> existential flexibility. I'll go ahead and read them. Consistency and quality, fundamentally, over intensity, essentially, we ready our existential flexibility with Cynic. Because I see existential flexibility, and I remember he brought up Disney in that too. I forgot that he brought Disney up in this when I was talking about Apple and Disney. Those are the two companies that, that I identify with. And that's because those two companies and those two, Walt Disney and Steve Jobs, had that infinite mindset and they defined, it's almost like Simon Sinek used them as the models for this idea that he's postulating in the book. The, the things that they did in their business and the way that they had these existential flexes, they changed the game through their will to further their cause. They changed the entire landscape of how we see entertainment and technology. And they came together too in a lot of ways with Pixar, Apple, and Disney. And so there's, there's a bit of a dovetail in those stories where the alignment and the intersection of tech and entertainment come together. And when you think of Apple, a lot of times you do think of entertainment with music, with the app store, with, you know, you think of creative when you think of Apple and obviously with Disney. That's what that is all about. But well, I just, being I just creative to, and yeah. innovative is part of the infinite leader mindset, right? Absolutely. So it, it makes yeah. perfect sense. So, and with that, with the courage to make an existential flex brings that, cur that is the courage to lead. So take that as you will. I, well, courage I to lead is the next one. It is, isn't That's it? It's like a direct lead in. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was not intentional. Well, that's the fifth one is the courage to lead. And I've already talked about how hard I think leadership is and to then be consciously being a 
thoughtful infinite leader, I think is probably even more challenging, but that's part of being the infinite leader is to have that courage to make bold decisions, <laughs> be really flexible, engage your team and always be working towards that just cause that it, you have to be committed to that. You have to demonstrate your commitment to it. And I liked how Cynic basically said a CEO should actually be a CVO, mm. a chief visionary officer versus a chief executive officer, meaning that the chief visionary officer is the guardian and voice of a company's just cause. I love that. To make a decision that's going to be very difficult for a company or for people because it's different and you, they, you know, it might not be understood in the beginning, but you got to let that vision play out. That's one thing that Dave Barrett said. One of his biggest regrets is, is sharing an idea before it's ready for others because then they're going to influence you and they're going to tell you how bad it is. And I feel like I've been doing that with this whole counting high thing. I've been talking <laughs> about it a little too much. And there's some people that just can't get behind it yet because they don't see it. I've learned something there too. Like if you are trying to change the change the world, save the world, you're going to get a lot of pushback from people that are thinking in the way that things are supposed to be. One thing Dave Barrett said was there are no rules, they're just consequences. And sometimes you have to break the rules or the unspoken rules of business to further your cause. And that requires a lot of courage to do something that maybe it's breaking the rules, but as if it aligns with your values, it takes a lot of courage to go against the grain and to be alien. My first rap, CP aliens. Like I'm, okay. I'm doing things a lot different. Like, and I, I recognize that. Like, it's not normal. The, a lot of the things that I'm doing, and people don't quite get it early on. Eventually, they do, but it's just because I'm trying to have fun, you know. <laughs> and that's that's all my goal is. My purpose here is to bring some fun back to this profession. I don't know if it's ever been there but it's to bring it back and everything I do has that in mind and you can't tell me nothing. Like I'm going to curse. I'm going to say some things that are un, <laughs> unsavory, but it's all in fun. It's all a joke. You know, it's all for laughs anyway. So sorry to make that about me, but that was just no, no, more that, of a, um, I, I think it's a good wrap up of a takeaway in terms of leaving people with thinking about the just cause that they have and their firm has and that the profession has and that they're, trying to rally their team around and their even your clients should really buy into that just cause and believe in that just cause. And so to I think it leaves people can leave people thinking about are the things that you're doing laddering up to a just cause that you feel really good about and if you they're not or you don't feel good about it it cynic says you might need a new just cause. And so I think that that's a good spot to leave people thinking about what is it that you have for just cause? Is that just cause bigger than you are? And is it going to last? And is it something that's inspiring and inclusive and to really be working towards that just cause then that you've, and you've got that solid just cause then everything you do inside of there, as long as it ladders up to that just cause, that's your barometer around, is this what I should be doing? A false cause can only employ hollow bylaws and low quality support calls and unforeseen pitfalls. A deeply personal cause will hit home. As humans, we are fallible. Our choices make ripples. I voice this with riddles. 
You want me to keep going? Yep. Here's a common example. Long ago, we all chose so-called service-oriented moonshot audacious goals. Intense stress strangles and sabotages all our behavioral principles. We do the unthinkable and unknowable. Please leave this dark place as quickly as possible before those incredibly bold short-term goals destroys all of our souls. The problem is a sole focus on stock growth provides a short-term boost. Owners lose focus on what matters most. Where there was once order, now chaos ensues and becomes our own truths like chickens that have come home to roost. Nice. Nice. And now the moment you have all been waiting for after that deaf poetry session, I present to you the debut of Infinite Cynic. Oh yeah, it's Marshall and Simon, baby. It's the offspring of popular business text and rap. Open up your mind. This hybrid is one of a kind. We represent the accounting high. You know what I'm saying? It's Infinite Cynic for the deuce deuce. Pay attention as these phrases break conventions Contemplate this infinite game to displace intentions Stalemates, recessions, we question this profession space Concentrate, use discretion while I captivate and engage Don't discriminate, assimilate, sex, age, and race Fixate, create campaigns that innovate To remain sane, be grateful and stable Don't erase or replace, embrace the change of praise based on love Not disdain, rearrange our domains It's seductive and addictive for executives that can't Live by simple objectives, be alive to thrive, not just survive, recognize ties beside those that lie outside the print fine, infinite with no finish lines, no one wins by design akin to create a new business decisions, envision a revision of ambition in lieu of beaten competition, that's a few definitions of his infinite vision. It's cynic, you heard of Simon, optimistic, find your why as Ted inspires millions, he's resilient and determined to try and define an infinite state of mind Design mankind to shine ubiquitously bright With strategic benefits of being infinite A just cause will advance confidence, strength, and permanence. Advantage is immense and root to an existential flex. Salute independence, mute finite mindsets, dilute deficient mutual sets in a self-evident pursuit of happiness. Reduce intense excess stress. Study worthy rivals compatible, not untenable or fallible. Ideally suitable, eventually comparable. Prepare to be existentially flexible. We fail to see deals made verbally or visually are equally unenforceable. Philosophically, financially, between y'all and me never declare victory don't compare to the exceptional be inspirational set an example arch rival steel market share to master their financial year consistency and quality fundamentally over intensity essentially we ready our existential flexibility we're cynic you heard of simon optimistic find your why as ted inspires millions he's resilient and determined to try and define an infinite state of mind Design mankind to shine ubiquitously bright With strategic benefits of being infinite 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 
react fast with whack-a-mole reactions that distract but don't outlast in the past those who managed to attract talent came to pass the average practice has created a gap imagine how he strangled a well-established path despite the fact that they lack to have any impact continue to provide true value to consumers buyers do need more protectors don't shoot the messenger exert pressure on inert directors who throughout sourcing hires finding cheaper suppliers driving margins even higher to absolutely ensure longer last employee satisfaction and tenure influence ventures in power to prevent future disaster too far removed from some day-to-day matters leaving arbitrary grind games to close-minded neckties define your incline and realize pride is not a prize behind the horizon find inspiration as passions arise high inside cynic you heard of simon optimistic find your why as ted inspires millions he's resilient and determined to try and define an infinite state of mind design mankind to shine ubiquitously bright with strategic benefits of being cynic you heard of simon optimistic find your why as ted inspires millions he's resilient and determined to try and define an infinite state of mind design mankind to shine ubiquitously bright with strategic benefits of being infinite game should we end this with gradiness i think last time with atomic habits we graded our book absolutely What's your grading for infinite games? I'll give it a 90. I'll give it an A, a solid A. So like 94, 95, because it could have been a lot shorter in in certain ways. But I love the storytelling aspect of it. So, you know, I guess to say that I'm, I'm doing that because I'm comparing it to his other books as well. And I love this book. I love the concept. But it, it also just adds to the other ones. And an A is a very respectable goal. So I'll give it a 95. Let's just do that. Not quite an A+, plus. it's an A. All right. Well, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. It's still an A. This is still good. It's still very good. But I'm going to give it an A- minus because similar that I think I told you that I got most of my content from the very beginning of the book. And it faded for me. Maybe some of that was because of this infinite loop and it, it was so familiar already. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I got I got to keep that in mind. But if it's anything above B plus to me, it's considered very good and one that I would recommend and read again. So you're giving it about a 93 then, right? Because mm-hmm. we had a seven point scale. So 93 was the lowest A you can get at our high yep. school. Yeah. So A minus. A minus. I love it. Still recommend and would read again. Still recommend. Stay tuned for our next book report. It's going to be on Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. I'm very excited for this one. This me one is, is getting really deep. Really deep. We're going into emotions next. It's going to be uncomfortable. Get in a chair, get some tea and some... Cozy up by the fire. Yeah, yeah. Get get your handkerchief. You're probably going to cry a couple times. Yeah. Once or twice. I probably will. I'm going to cry just thinking about it. So stay tuned. Thanks, Twyla. (laughs) Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Peace out. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Share this episode on social media, tagging us at Accounting High. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. 